hopefully gain a better understanding of them through our study. And the first term, the first church word we're going to address is atonement. Now, atonement is a, a word we, we use quite a bit, but you know what's fascinating? The term atonement is an Old Testament word. It really isn't a Greek word that you find in the New Testament. In fact, if you look at the English Standard Version, the New King James Version, or the New American Standard Version, you're not going to find atonement in the New Testament. It's primarily an Old Testament word, and it appears more than 75 times, or excuse me, in 75 different verses in the Old Testament. I want to give you one example of this, and that's in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. And that's where God says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So what does this word atonement mean? How can we better understand it? Brother Iverson, would you like to get us started on uh, atonement? When I think about the terms that we are studying, the six terms that we are studying, I I was really fascinated by these terms because when I look at... Turn your mic. I think your mic's off. Just check it real quick. A little switch on the top. Here we go. I forgot to check that. There we go. Tessa. Tessa. You you can rely on Kyle about microphones. (laughs) Very reliable. I don't even get a break from the the retired guys. (laughs) When when I study, uh, when we study these six words that we're looking at tonight, one book come to mind, which is in our study also tonight, and, and we've studied here recently at Buford, is the book of Hebrews. When I look at these six terms, everything is better. Even though we may not all understand uh, atonement from a, a New Testament standpoint, but everything is better. And when we look at this word atonement from Leviticus 16, and also uh, 17, I think of reconciling, reconciling the lost, or reconciling the sinner back to God. And we've all been reconciled. But thanks be to God, the blood of Jesus Christ made that possible. Now, under the old law, atonement, that is the uh, 16th chapter, 17th chapter of Leviticus, the priests, the high priests, the high priest was the only one that could enter the most holy place once a year. The sins of the people just rolled back. And the high priest went into the most holy place once a year in behalf of the people. It took a unblemished lamb. That blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Now only the high priest could enter. Only the high priest could sprinkle the blood. But not only was he atoning for the people, 
but he was making atonement for himself. When I think about atonement today, I think about Jesus. He died on the cross, shedded his blood, and thanks be to God, that blood that he shed on the cross continues to cleanse us of our sins today. He died once. And the thing about it, he still lives. He's sitting on the right-hand throne of God, making intercession for us. I don't have to wait. We don't have to wait a year. And we all sin. We all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I don't have to wait a year for my sins to be removed. I can go to God and ask for forgiveness. Well, what happened, Brother Iverson? That blood, that blood of Jesus cleanses me, cleanses us of our sins on a daily basis. And thank, thanks be to God, we can, we can pray every day that God allows us to live, even though we may make mistakes that we may not realize, we may not know of, the blood of Jesus continues to cleanse us of our sins. Under the law, the Levitical priesthood didn't have that. But thanks be to God, the atonement that we are enjoying, God made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, what are some of the results of the atoning blood? Our sins are forgiven, just like I said earlier. We are purified from sin, 1 John. We looked at 1 John a couple of weeks ago. We are free from sin. L let, me, let me pause there. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We are going to make mistakes. But when I, when I make a mistake, when I sin, I can go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And that blood, the blood of Jesus, not some animal, not some lamb, I can go to Jesus and ask for forgiveness of my sins. We are redeemed. That is about the blood of Jesus, Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. And then sometimes we forget that as a child of God, I'm saved now. I don't have to be scratching when it's not itching and laughing when it's not funny. I am saved. We are saved now. We're reconciled. What does the word reconciled mean? It means to be brought back to God. When I fall, when you fall, when we fall, we can be brought back to God. We can go to him. I don't have to wait a year. I don't have to wait for some animal. No, no, no. We can be reconciled. We can be brought back to God. 
through the blood, not some animal, through the blood of Jesus. And then again, here's one. When I was making my study, we are made holy. We are a holy people. The Hebrew writer talks about that in Hebrews chapter 13, that that blood of Jesus made us holy. We are set apart. We are somebody. And we thank God for that. And then lastly, the power of the devil is destroyed. Oh, he's, he's lurking. He's always lurking. But I, we don't have to give in to Satan. Why, Brother Iverson? Because of the precious blood of Jesus. Yes. Thanks be to God. He reconciled us through his son, Jesus Christ. I don't have to wait a year. My sins just roll back. No. I can go to God presently. I can go to God now. Lord, forgive me of my sin. And what happened? That blood, the blood of Jesus, cleanses us from our sins. I thank God for that. Amen. Uh, Brother Mike, Brother Gene, would you like to add anything on the subject of atonement before we tr transition? You know, interestingly enough, we have seen that word used as at one -ment. The fact that it brings us as one with God. And what a, what a marvelous thought that is that we can, because of these sins that he's mentioning, We've been separated, isolated from God. But with atonement, we're made at one with Him. That's important for us. Amen. I was going to bring, excuse me, bring in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. The word reconciliation in English is there twice, which is the Greek word for the one that is translated atonement. Yeah. Romans 5, verse 11. He says, All things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, Brother Iverson touched on this, but a little bit further. The reconciliation bringing back two parties who were at once at odds with one another. When you consider the fact that God is the one who was offended, and yet God is the one who's doing the, doing the searching for souls. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, the depth of the love and the grace and mercy of God. We're the ones who offended, and yet he comes looking for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So there's atonement. That is a, a word that we do use quite often. Uh, another term that you hear a lot is justification. Now, that is a term that we do utilize in, in certain veins <laughs> in, in regular conversation. Uh, but if you journey through Scripture, the term justification in its noun form doesn't appear that often. You'll only find it a handful of times in the New Testament, uh, particularly in Romans chapter 4 chapter, and chapter 5. But its other uh, verb forms, such as justify and justified, you'll see those terms quite frequently. I want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 5 as we transition to this term. And look at verse 16 through 19 with me of Romans chapter 5. It's there that Paul writes this. 
And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Brother Gifford, will you uh, get us started on this term of justification? I'll be happy to do that. If you want to torture a preacher, tell him he only has five minutes to talk. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to give a 40-minute lesson than it is a five-minute one, but we'll try to do what we can. Uh, the Old Testament uses the term justify. It doesn't use justification in any of the translations that I saw, but justify is in there, and it means to, to be made right or to be made righteous or even to justify oneself. You have to look in the context. We have 170,000 words in the English language. In the ancient Hebrew, they had 7,000. So they used their words a lot more different ways than we did. You really have to look at the context to determine it. In the New Testament, the word translated justification or justified, justified, and so on, is from the very same root word for the word righteous. So you can tie the words righteous or right and justification together. So to be justified means to be made right. So the question is, why do we need to be made right? Well, the Bible says that all of sin comes short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and verse 23. We know our sins have separated us from God, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. We do know also from 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we want to go to heaven, right? So if we want to go to heaven, we have to be righteous. The question is, who is the one who makes us right? And there are two answers to that. In the eyes of the world, I'm the one who makes myself right. You know, we hear that term justify still used today. People justify things. For example, you might have an employee who feels like it's okay for him to take money out of his, his employer's coffers because He's justifying it by saying, well, that employer's got plenty of money. He's wealthy. He doesn't need it. I need it more than he does. And so you see what he's doing? He's justifying his ungodly action. He's rationalizing another term we use. And you know, that's in the Bible, too. In Luke chapter 10, in verse 29, after that lawyer had been tempting Jesus, asking about the great commandment in the law, Jesus responded to him. He responded back. And basically, Jesus showed him up. And verse 29 says, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said, well, who's my neighbor? So in other words, he wanted the last word. He thought he'd put Jesus in his place because they kept trying to do that in many other passages as well. Uh, another time the term justify is used in Luke 16 and verse 15 in a bad way. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. And then there's that fellow in Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 18 talked about him, I think, this morning a little bit, about the, uh, the publican and the, uh, the Pharisee. And it was the Pharisee who was justifying himself, figuring that, look at all these great things I've done. God, you're so fortunate that you have me in your service. The publican couldn't even lift up his eyes, but continued to smote his breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
by the, word, the way, the word merciful is the same one that's translated propitiation, which we'll get to later. But the Bible says, Jesus said at the conclusion of that parable, he said, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified instead of the other. That man was right with God, not because he was bragging about how great he was, but instead he was relying on the mercy and grace of God. So when we talk about being justified, we talk about being right. So who's the one who makes us right? It's not us. Isaiah said in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, our righteousness are like filthy rags. Romans 3 and verse 10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 10 and verse 3, speaking of Israel, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. There's only one who can make us right with God. Romans 8 and verse 33 says, it is God who justifies. More specifically, God justifies through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Isaiah 53 and verse 11, that prophecy from Isaiah that says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Mm -hmm. And in Romans 5 and verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So we're justified by God through the blood of Jesus Christ, but even more specifically than that, when we are obedient to God's will. Romans 5 and verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So just to summarize, justifies, justification means to be made right in this context with God. We want to be right with God. It doesn't matter if we're right in the eyes of the world, does mm -hmm. it? We want to be right with God. Brother Iverson, Brother Clover. To piggyback on, on what's just been said, and just, just like you just mentioned, sometimes people will look at you, oh, uh, you, you're a Christian now? Uh, you, 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 you're a member of that church over there that think that they are right? Yes, I am a child of God. No matter how you look at me, I, I have accepted Christ as my Savior, and I'm saved. Oh, yes, uh, you knew me 30 years ago when I did this and I did that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still not perfect. But through the justification of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I've been made right. I'm right with God. I don't have any problem with that. And sometimes people will look at you. Oh, you call yourself a Christian. Well, I am, I am a child of God. And I thank God for that. And that's what Paul was explaining to the church at Rome in chapter uh, 3 and verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned. None of us are perfect. And fall short of the glory of God. Look at this. Justified, made right, justified, freely, by his grace, not man, but God. Justified, made right by his grace. God, what is, that God's unmerited favor toward us. 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We thank God for that. Because where would some of us be today if it had not been for the justification of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And I have to look at John Iverson first. Okay. All right, we're going to go into our third word, and I can already tell we're probably not going to get through all six, but that's okay. <laughs> that just gives me a reason to bring these guys back up here sometime. Our third word is propitiation. Now, you may recall this came up a couple of weeks ago in our first John study, but we really didn't dive into this word, so I thought why not do a little more in-depth study of it this evening. Well, the term propitiation, which is not one we really use outside of religious context. I, I don't know the last time you threw propitiation out in conversation, but it hasn't been that often for me. Well, it, it appears four times in the New Testament. You can find it in Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, and 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. It, it, it doesn't appear with great frequency. And if you use the NIV, you won't find it at all because the NIV has decided not to use that word anymore. It will use a word like atonement or an atoning sacrifice instead. But propitiation is, is, is a unique word, and to draw your attention to it, let's go to 1 John chapter 2 and read the first two verses again, and then we'll ask Brother Clower to, to get us started on this term. But 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Brother Clover, will you uh, get us started on this term? This, this is really an unfamiliar word, uh, one that challenges our thinking mm -hmm. greatly, mm -hmm. one that goes to the heart of how God can justify the wicked. Mm -hmm. How can he do that? The word propitiation tells us how he can do that. Paul stated that, uh, that God publicly displayed Christ as the propitiation in his blood through faith. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the propitiation mm -hmm. through his blood. It's not a popular word. It's not a popular word as you, you referred to a New International version don't use that word anymore a lot of religious groups don't use that word mm -mm. Mm -mm. they refuse to mm -hmm. they want to just eliminate it from the vocabulary it's obvious that i think it's important to communicate clearly with those who use biblical terminology we ought to be able to know it's pointless to make our ma message uh, intentionally vague. We, uh, we, we need to understand this word. It's from the Latin. It's brought into the English. And it brings the, as the atmosphere of the heathen rites where they were trying to win the favor or avert the anger of their gods. In the Old Testament, a number of Hebrew words are used in this particular sense. In fact, there are 10 of them. 
Propitiation is closely related to atonement. Mm -hmm. Let me picture something for you. We know God to be holy and just and righteous, sinless, perfect. How can He forgive my sin and accept me as one of His? And still maintain the fact that He is God, sinless, and perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, we know he can't do that. There's no way. How then can he provide for us salvation? Through propitiation. Jesus is the one who is the propitiation in his blood for our life. Here's, here's what happened. Let me just put it in just plain old common words. Jesus came offered himself as a sacrifice, shedding his blood on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus was perfect. God could accept him. But he made the way, paid the price, however you want to word that, for our salvation. Mm -hmm. When we come through Jesus, through faith in him, and obedience to his word, then we put ourselves in a place where God can accept us and still maintain His godliness, so to speak. That's propitiation. The statement that we can obey the gospel and as we obey the gospel, we come to the point where our sins are washed away. We're pure. God can accept us without changing his teaching, his understanding about what we are and what we do. We have to understand that, that, that he can do that in making us one of his sons. Sanctified, purified, justified, without changing the fact that he is a holy and righteous God. He doesn't give that up. You know, if if, if he wanted to just turn around and say, okay, you're a sinner, I'll accept you. He's, he's stepped away from his perfection, holiness, righteousness. But he, when he forgives our sin, he forgives it because Jesus has washed that sin away. We're perfect and, sh and without sin when he accepts us into his family as one. Now, there's a second reason. One that maybe many people are uh, nervous about th this particular word. Uh, they, they, they suggest that probably atonement would be a better word for it. They, would, they, they think it's absurd to think for that God offers a sacrifice to appease, appease himself. That's true. That's exactly what I've, what I've been saying. A simple remedy, uh, reply could be made. The wrath of God against sinful man uh, uh, is, had to be satisfied or there was no hope of salvation. Sinful men and women have nothing to appease God, to appease His wrath, chapter 3, verses 10 and 23. And that being the case, who could offer the sacrifice? 
if not God Himself. God offered His Son. Let me summarize some biblical teaching on this. God's holy. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. And as a holy God, He cannot countenance sin. God's a just God. God of holiness and justice. He has every right to sin and punish sin. He has every right to punish mm -hmm. sin mm -hmm. or to send me to eternal torment mm -hmm. because of the sins that I've committed. Mm -hmm. Justice must be de demonstrated. Sin must be punished. You know, it's the wrath of God against evil must be satisfied. It's just one of the basic fundamental things. At the same time, God's a God of love. We know that. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, not just you and I. He loved everyone. As a result of that, as a God of love, He doesn't desire that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. And so, how does he solve this? What, what is the solution to the dilemma that God had? That uh, the solution was to send his own son mm -hmm. to take the punishment for our sins. We sometimes have the uh, a possibility of lessening what Jesus did. Not really, not really understanding the power, not really making sure that we know the power and the majesty of what Jesus did. And the love that God had to provide for us through sending His Son. And so we, we, we could never understand. We could never be able to comprehend fully the pain and the agony of that cross. I think of Jesus on that night before the crucifixion when he went those three places and prayed. Sweat as it were, great drops of blood. What does that tell you? The agony that he had of what he was going to have to endure? Why did he do it? Because he loved us. Because God sent him to provide that salvation now, I don't think there's any illustration that's adequate to, to illustrate what God's done for us or what Jesus has done for us. Mm -hmm. We just need to con con convince ourselves with the knowledge that the word propitiation declares that the sacrifice of Jesus did satisfy our sins, did satisfy what God's wrath indicated, and that, thus made possible our salvation. How do we accept it? Hmm. Through faith and obedience to His hmm. Word. Through love for God, for Christ, for the ones who died for us, the one who did. God was able then, by propitiation, to provide salvation for us through faith. Amen. Brother Iverson and Brother Gifford, would you like to add anything? Just like to add, well, well, well spoken, well spoken. If you ever get a chance 
and I, and I hope you do, please read Romans chapter 3. Yes, please. Study and read Romans chapter 3. Yes. It will bring tears to your eyes. What Jesus did for us. Do you know of anyone would make a sacrifice for you? Raise your hand. Are you here tonight? Do you, do you know of anyone would sac make a sacrifice for you? I don't know of anyone. I love my wife. Uh, uh, I don't know if she would be make willing. You don't have to answer, huh? <laughs> but read. And just, just verse 20. Three, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Oh, every morning... Every morning we wake up, we should be on our knees. Oh, by the bed, if you can't get on your knees, by the bedside, Lord, I thank you. I, I, just, I just thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us. It, it church, it touches you. When you think about yes. propitiation, the sacrifice, that Christ made for us, oh, it's great. Thank you. Just add one more dimension to that. In Hebrews chapter 9, the writer talks about the tabernacle and the things of the Old Covenant being types or shadows of, of the, the true Jesus and the church and the New Covenant. And he describes the tabernacle, it comes to verse 5, he talks about in the tabernacle there was the mercy seat. Remember the mercy seat? That's actually the word that's translated propitiation in other passages. Some of them translated like covering of the ark or some, something like that. But if you want to, after you're studying Romans 3 this week, go back to uh, Hebrews, excuse me, Exodus 25, 17 through 22. Mm -hmm. And you look there and read about the establishment of the mercy seat mm -hmm. and do some study about what that typified. It's amazing. It's, it ties into what you guys are saying, I think, that uh, uh, God had a plan. God worked his plan. Mm -hmm. Jesus cooperated in that plan by living mm -hmm. perfectly. Mm -hmm. And because of that, today we're justified. We're redeemed. We're all these words that we're using. We've had atonement for our sins. We're regenerated. All these terms that we're using, it's because of God's great and powerful plan. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. So let's now turn our attention to our fourth word we, we picked out for tonight, and that is, uh, it's been mentioned already, it's redemption. And the term redemption appears up to in up to 26 different verses in the Old Testament and up to 12 verses in the New Testament. Of course, that doesn't include the times you just have the word redeem or redeem. But this is a, this is a very powerful and important word as well. And to, uh, to set our mind in motion with the word redemption, look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14 with me. Mm -hmm. That's Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. This passage says, When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, 
He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Mm -hmm. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Brother Iverson, will you uh, lead us in this study of redemption? Redemption. I think about freedom. We are free in Christ. Who made that possible? Jesus, the shedding of his blood, dying on that cross, (laughs) suffering. And as a child of God, as a member of the body of Christ, we are free. Amen. Now, the purpose of redemption, I found out, to justify us before God, to free us from wickedness, to free us from the law, to free us from the curse, and to free us from an empty way of life. In redemption, we have something to live for. We are free in Christ. And those of us who are here tonight should jump for joy that God made that possible through his son, Jesus Christ. Brother Gifford, Brother Clover. So many of these words are are really attached to each other. We're talking about largely the same thing, whether we're talking about sanctification or justification or redemption or, you know, all of those are, are, are telling us exactly what we have to do, what, what, what has to occur for us to be pleasing to God. We have to be able to obey the gospel. We have to be able to be redeemed. We have to be able to uh, be reconciled. We have to be able to go through this step of propitiation, even though we may not understand that particular word. We go through the process, nonetheless. In order to find salvation, we have to do that. And, and let me say something. The, the thing that ought to be uh, top on our mind list of things to be grateful for is that salvation. If we think what the result would be without it, and if we think of the love of God that provided it, the sacrifice of Jesus that provided it, it's tremendous. Tremendous. We could not even begin to evaluate it. Brother, if there's anything you'd like to ask? Real quick, there's actually a movement afoot, not in the Lord's Church, I hope. I haven't heard it here. But it is among the denominational world. It, it goes back several centuries to a guy named Peter Abelard, who was a French philosopher in the 12th century, where people are now believing that Jesus' death was not sacrificial, that he was a martyr, that his death was not paying the ransom, which is what we're thinking about redemption. We're thinking about a ransom being paid. And, you know, Paul said, you're bought with a price in 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians 6 and verse 20. Mm-hmm. And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 talks about that price. It's not by, by gold or silver or any such thing, but by the precious blood of Jesus. 
So people are actually claiming to be Christians and denying the expiatory, efficacious death of Jesus. A couple of big words. But basically it just means that Jesus paid the price for us. Mm -hmm. That's scripture. That's basic stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The people yeah. who claim to be Christians are denying that. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go to one last word. We, we have two more words, but we're only going to squeeze in one. And that is the word regeneration. Now, this is another word we don't use very often, but it does appear in Scripture technically one time. That's in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, where Paul writes these words. He says that God saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, this is not a word that we use very much, but it's a word worth exploring. And so, Brother Gifford, will you uh, lead us in this? Sure, I'll keep it pretty simple to start with. Think of the word new, N-E-W. That's what you are. If you're a child of God, when you obeyed the gospel, you became new. Mm -hmm. So the word regeneration is actually from the, the Greek word is the compound word. The first part of it is the word palin. You familiar with what a palindrome is? It's a word that is the same thing, whether spelled forwards or backwards, like the word madam, palindrome, again. So the first part is again. The second part of the word is the Greek word Genesis. And you're familiar with that. The book of beginnings, starting over, source, origin, birth. Literally, the word translated regeneration literally means again born. Mm -hmm. So if you look at what Kyle looked at in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, especially in verse 5, he talks about the washing of regeneration, the washing of again born. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that seem like something Jesus said in John 3, 3 through 5 to Nicodemus? Except a man be born again? That's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about the new birth. And then Acts 2, 38 would carry on the rest of that about the renewal of the Holy Spirit in the passage as well. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, I've got several notes, but I know we're hurt for time here. But basically, to sum up in regard to the word new, when a man or woman who is outside of Jesus Christ, hears the word of God, believes that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, repents of sins, confesses their faith in Jesus as Christ, and is immersed in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. When they rise up out of the waters of baptism, behold, all things have become new, 2 mm -hmm. Corinthians 5, 17. Mm -hmm. God just made a new creation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The word new is many times in the new covenant. God has taken a filthy, dirty soul mm -hmm. And taken the blood of Jesus Christ and applied and said, you're new all over again. That's what regeneration is. You became new when you obeyed the gospel. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. What a blessing. Amen. And, and, and then, great. It gives us a victory over sin. I think about Paul. Look, 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 look at the life uh, that Paul had before he became a member of the body of Christ. But because of regeneration, Paul had a new life. What about us? Some of us haven't always been little goody-goodies. Don't get quiet on me now. All of us haven't always been little goody-goodies. But thanks be to God, we have a victory 
through his son, Jesus Christ. And we can continue as long as we're faithful in, uh, to God and studying our Bibles, carrying out his will. Victory. Isn't that a song that we sing, Victory in Jesus? Mm -hmm. Victory in Jesus. Remember that song? That song? Mm -hmm. Victory. I have a victory. Oh, the old, the old devil is still going to be there. But I can, we can look to Jesus now. He gives us that victory. Every second, every minute, every hour. Time's up. Can I say one more thing? Yes, you may. Just real quick. I left this out because this is important. In addition to the New Testament teaching us that we're new creatures when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scriptures also point out that God doesn't want us mixing the old with the new. Mm -hmm. That when the old is gone, such as in Colossians 3, 9, and 10, you have put off the old man or the old mm -hmm. person with his deeds and put off the new one. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want us going back to the old ways. Why would mm -hmm. we anyway? But God mm -hmm. doesn't want us mixing the old with the new. Mm -hmm. And that's taught. I've got several verses, but time constraints won't allow me to point them. <coughs> All right, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me tonight and being a part of the study. Like I said, we still had one more word, so maybe we can make arrangements to... Uh, do this again, cover that word, and add on a whole bunch more. Uh, I'm thankful to, to these men for joining me and for the, the wisdom they, they brought to us tonight. Since we have been talking about salvation uh, and these terms related to it, let me just say this, that, that if, if you have not had your sins atoned for, if you have not been redeemed, if you have not experienced a new birth, if you're not justified, and if God's wrath has not been appeased for you by Christ's propitiation, then please, come see us. Let us tell you about what Christ has done and how you can experience the blessings of salvation that these terms speak of, because we would love to help you discover that. Um, tonight, we've studied these words, and I hope that this study has helped you understand some of these terms better. And with that being said, I'd like to close.